0: I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> I know it's between <laughs> it's between uh Baltimore and DC.
1: Nice. Where are you from originally?
0: Originally from Long Island, New York.
1: Rhode Island, New York?
0: No, Long Island.
1: Oh, Long Island. I was like, I had not heard of that. Yeah, well, <laughs> Long Island, New York. I got you. All man. right. Welcome Get in them. to Vision awesome, Pros um, So what got it's you? Jackson is? Callum, I'm your show host. We'll be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. welcome into a special edition of Vision Pros Live. Um, I am going to be bringing on a guest named Alan Gregory. Alan specializes in helping businesses with the sell of their ventures and making sure they are teed up to be able to uh, sell their, their business uh, because most businesses, when they get to that stage, just aren't ready. They don't have it all put together. They haven't thought about that. So whether you're in the beginning um, you know, and, and thinking of Stephen Covey, begin with the end in mind. Or you're facing the, the reality that you may want to sell your business sooner than later. This is going to be a great discussion. Um, I'm excited to see what types of theories um, Alan presents. What types of uh, you know red flags could exist in your business um, as you get ready to sell, and what types of uh, what types of people you should be turning to to help with the process of making sure that you sell and sell well. Without further ado, or rather, before getting him on, um, a quick shout out to our sponsors Epiphany and ablehealth.us. Both are up here in this corner. Um, Definitely feel free to check out their websites. And of course, on the opposite side, we'd love to see you contribute to the Water Project or some other means. The more we give, usually the more we get in life or the next, if you believe in that. So with that said, without further ado, Alan, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, we look forward to diving into this subject and opening the eyes of entrepreneurs everywhere. Appreciate you, man.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: Yes, sir. All right. So um, with that said, <clears throat> one of the things that, that you earned fairly recently is a <clears throat> it says you became a certified exit planning advisor through the Exit Planning Institute. Tell us as much as you can about your background before you got to that stage. And then let's transition into talking about uh, what you've learned from that institute, what qualifies that institute, etc. But where what were you doing before so, so becoming a certified exit planning advisor.
0: So when I graduated high school in 1998, I know that's a long time ago. the 1900- Good for you. I'm one of the young folks, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I graduated high school in 1998. I had a lot of sales jobs from then until about 2003. 2003, I went to corporate America and I was a customer service representative. They decided they were going to move the service center. So I became a marketing analyst for that same company from 2005 to 2008. The reason I left corporate America is because I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, cover to cover twice in 2007 over the Thanksgiving holiday. So four days, read the book twice, cover to cover. And right immediately I became a digital marketing consultant because I already had some of that background from the stuff that I was doing before. So when 2020 came, the pandemic hit, everybody decided they were, they were going to reinvent themselves, me especially, obviously. And I saw an ad that came across that talked about buying businesses and consulting for equity. And I had been doing retainers. So, you know, monthly retainers, weekly retainers, hourly retainers for 12 years, doing ads and funnels and emails and stuff for people. And it was just time for me to do something different and bigger and better. So I got involved in the mergers and acquisition space, and we started reaching out to business owners that potentially wanted to sell their business through the conventional means, which most of these guys are doing cold calls, cold emails, LinkedIn DMs, uh, direct mail letters and stuff like that. We were doing that and we were contacting a lot of different people. But the one thing that happens so often, I would say 90% of the time, business owners are not ready to sell their business. So my colleagues have this next mentality. Some of them did anyway, not to talk bad about any of them, but a lot of them did have this next mentality. So if they're not ready to sell right now, then we don't want to talk to them. We only want to talk to people that want to sell right now. And I'm like, as a marketer and a consultant, that didn't make sense to me. Hmm. So I decided I was going to go and get myself certified in exit planning because when I'm coming across people and I potentially want to buy their business, they're going to be more comfortable with me if they know that I have their best. Uh, interest in mind by trying to help them do it the right way, not this whole shark thing where I'm just trying to like quote unquote steal your business from you. So that's how I kind of got to where I am now. Uh, I, I care, like I want to do this the right way. And EPI has been around, I believe it's for 20 years. Chris Snyder is the one who he acquired it, which is an interesting thing because he acquired it from someone else. I don't remember the name of the guy before that, but Chris and Scott Snyder are the father and son team that owned this business. So it was like a family business. And Chris, not recently, I would say maybe a few years ago, but he had been working in the exit planning Institute and he used all the exit planning Institute's uh, presentations and words and methodologies to take himself through an exit. So now this father and son team, the son is actually running it now, and he's working on his exit to have someone else take it over. So they're they're constantly doing the same stuff that they're teaching. So that's why I thought it was a good idea for me to learn from them. And I do the same stuff myself.
1: That's smart, man. No, you kind of you covered a lot of important factors that I hope people uh, evaluate as they consider who they might want to work with. Um, it actually reminds me of my first realtor when I was the first time homebuyer, right? There was we got we had so many realtors that I went through because I'm I'm I don't want to say difficult. I'm all researched, though. Um, you know, like especially with something that of that magnitude that's that important. Um, and most realtors didn't want to deal with me. Um, you know, they just they wanted the easy lay down, they wanted the person who was gonna listen to everything that they said, and like you said, ultimately like shark me into a deal that wasn't necessarily in my best interest. And so here I come fighting back. Um, you know, and they'd be like, Well, Jackson, like it's just not realistic to find, there aren't that many houses on the market with this criteria. And I said, guess what? I only need one. So you can either go on your way um, and not waste either of our time or um, you can help me find my one deal because that's what I will get. Um, right. So the the gentleman I ended up working with, Monty Maldine, shout out to him from Keller Williams, um, who's become one of my great friends in life. Uh, he understood the value of being there for us along the process and helping us understand what we didn't understand. So, um, like you said, rather than going to a shark tank style situation where it's rushed and hasty and they're only picking out the ones who are already perfectly qualified, so to speak. Um, it sounds like you've set up a system where people can come in and learn about the exit process, um, prior to the rush. Um, and kind of get themselves ready so that they can sell their business for as much as possible while, while having a little bit more control and calm in the process. Did I get that right?
0: Absolutely. Yep.
1: Okay, man. Well, let's, let's dive into some of those aspects. I read some of it on your LinkedIn. If anybody wants to reach out to Allen via LinkedIn um, and connect with them there, of course, um, in your about section, it talked about establishing a realistic valuation for your business, evaluating deal structures that can get funded in today's lending environment and pitching the deal. Um, to people that you're connected to and and some other aspects. But walk me through a little bit of the process. If I were uh, interested in selling my business in the future, um, when is the ideal time to talk to you? What should I have prepared on my end? Um, And yeah, where do we go? So So the
0: ideal thing to do, and a lot of people don't do this, they wake up one day and then they decide they're going to sell their business, but they have been thinking about it for three years. Don't contact me the day you decide to sell. Contact me the three years before when you're thinking about selling. Huge yeah. difference. Most people don't do that. So that's that's one of the first things. And in terms of the things that you need to understand in terms of selling your business, it is so important for you to have a realistic valuation. And a lot of people say, well, my business does a million dollars a year. It's worth in, in revenue. Be Mentioning that in revenue, they think it's worth a million dollars. That is not true. Your your valuation is going to be based on your profits. So if you do one hundred thousand dollars a year in profits on that million dollar business, theoretically, you're going to get a three X multiple, which means we just multiply one hundred thousand dollars, your profits by three. And that's what your business is actually worth. Now, of course, this is some people are going to say, well, that doesn't work for me. Look, that's just the numbers we're coming up with now, theoretically, as an example. That's kind of what that looks like. That's one of the first things we do. Um, and because people, and this, this is a lot of the reasons why businesses don't sell because people don't understand this and they're not, they're not educated, which is why I'm working on a lot of different things to make that happen as well.
1: Of course. Um, you know, and, and I see a lot of business owners out there who, uh, they don't look, they're not comfortable with profit and loss statements. They're not comfortable with income statements. Um, you know, this probably seems like not only foreign territory, but the territory beyond the foreign territory. Um, so I would think maybe you already have one. I would think that a new analogy is in store, Uh, to help business owners get comfortable with the idea of, of exploring, uh, the unknown behind the unknown. Um, but how do you, how do you help people get comfortable with the idea of establishing these numbers, Alan?
0: So what I have people do, usually some people have an account and some don't. I prefer that you do so that I can just talk to them and you don't have to be as involved with it. That's the easiest way to do it. But ideally, if, you, if you're if you running all your numbers on the back of a napkin or in like a notebook or a legal pad, I can't really help you because I'm not going to go through all that to try to fix it up. And then like, that's a job for me just to even try to like understand what your business is worth. So it's very important that you at least have QuickBooks or Microsoft money or whatever you use, something And you don't necessarily have to know, you know, how to run everything with your income statements and your profit and loss statements and all that stuff, but you need to have them available when someone like me, whether it be on the exit planning side where I'm talking about you helping you exit your business, or if I'm the buyer where I'm thinking about buying your business, the things that you need to have in place, I want to tell this to everybody very bluntly, income statements and profit and loss, well, I'm sorry, income statements and balance sheets you absolutely have to have. Right, so income statement and PL, it's it's the same thing. Your balance sheet, you absolutely have to have that. Those are the first two things you need to talk to me or an MA person or whatever, you absolutely have to have that. The next thing you would like to have is your cash flow statement. Then you want to have three years of tax returns and you want to have your business bank account stuff. If you've got all that stuff neatly put together, 90% of business owners don't, but at least you're you're thinking about what you need to do in terms of you selling your business or passing it on, or even getting it evaluated for a different reason. You may be going through a divorce. You may be thinking about selling off a portion of your business. You need to have all these things put together. Most people, unfortunately, don't.
1: Okay. All right. Um, so there's there's lots of different ways to, to create the valuation for your business. There's different theories. Uh, I'm okay with this being one of them. Um, the other one I look at though, on the, on the flip side as a startup guy is Facebook acquired a small company called Instagram, right? Their acquisition was a $1 billion acquisition. Um, they were not, they were not doing 350 million in profit. Um, you know, at the, at the time of that acquisition. So how do you make space for acquisitions of that magnitude? Um, with the theories that you're also bringing to small businesses and um, how do these processes harmonize?
0: So the larger the business, the larger the multiple. We're usually looking at, my, my team and I, we're usually looking at businesses from $2 million in revenue to about $10 million in revenue. And although Facebook didn't buy Instagram for 3X, I'm sure they bought it for a lot more than that, There was there's a specific type of buyer. They were a strategic buyer. So they bought it knowing what they'd be able to do with it. And that's the reason they gave it the valuation they did because they knew they could take, okay, it's a billion we can push this to hundred. That's perfect. That's that's why they bought it like that. And that kind of brings me to this uh, other part of this. There are different types of buyers. So you have a strategic buyer, kind of like Facebook and Instagram. Then you've got PE firms, private equity, everybody's heard of those. Then you've got competitors, right? So let's just say you have a landscaping company or an HVAC company and you're in Baltimore, Maryland, but somebody in DC wants to buy your business because they want to have a footprint in your area. That's a com- That's a competitor, they would buy your business as well. Exactly. Then you have other people like myself that are entrepreneurs. We come in and we're very flexible with how we deal with the business, because if you think about it, a competitor is probably not going to keep your employees in place. Neither is a PE firm and probably neither is a strategic buyer. But as an entrepreneur, that's going to be flexible and is really trying to help you preserve your legacy and create a legacy We're going to look at things like do you want to keep the name of the business do you want to keep your employees in place um how flexible do you want to be with the payments for us to buy this business do you want them to be monthly do you want them to be quarterly do you want them to be all in one shot very very rare by the way doesn't happen very often but those are the things that we can be flexible with as acquisition entrepreneurs
1: Mm -hmm. definitely so um part of your part of your process is the education component of understanding what your business is worth and valued at, I would again add for anybody who's listening to this, um, you know, I think Alan would support this. Make sure that you're getting opinions from multiple, multiple perspectives um, in the process, um, you know, and and it's also helpful to be aware of as well um, what types of businesses Alan prefers to work with. Um, and, to, and you, you mentioned a, a threshold from two million to six million. Was that accurate? Is that did I get that right? Uh, two to ten. Two to 10 million. Okay. So if you got a business, um, that's producing revenues or profits from 2 million to 10 million revenue of two to 10 revenue to two from 2 million to 10, 10 million. Um, and you're you've learned about these different types of, of, uh, people who buy businesses. Um, then you definitely want to consider talking to him about his strategies and again, make sure to evaluate multiple firms or who, who can help you with this process. Um, Let's look at some of the other things that you're helping with is pitch your deal to your consortium of qualified acquisition entrepreneurs that will be a safe pair of hands to give your um, uh, to guide your enterprise. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean to to come when I come to you, Alan, I have the opportunity to um, to pitch the deal to a consortium of acquisition entrepreneurs who are going to guide me. Tell me about that. What is that?
0: So the way that that works is we're going to go back to the valuation. So the first thing I'm going to need from you is your income statement and your balance sheet. I'm going yeah. to run them through a calculator and give you a valuation of, and this is where I think I'm a little bit different than like a business broker or some of these other guys. We give you a valuation based on what we would buy the business at today. So, right. It's, it's this realistic thing, not like, and I don't want to say made up, but kind of different, right? We give you a valuation based on what we would buy the business at today. And we're going to give you at least two offers. One of them is going to be funded Real quick, Versus another. what,
1: what do you normally see happen? Instead of say it yeah. being instead of it being based on buying it today, what do you normally see happen in the market?
0: Well, a lot of people, brokers, they give you like an opinion, right? So they, they just say like, okay, well, we think it's worth this much. When we're running them through our calculator, I'm specifically coming back to you with the intention of buying your business at this price today. Most brokers, most other people are not, they're not giving it that level. They're just saying, okay, well, based on this and based on this, this is what we think it's worth. You're so doing a more we- thorough
1: audit. Is what it yes. sounds like okay
0: yeah th- th- theirs is more thorough um but ours is very specific in the fact that we know what we would buy the business at today based on some of the things we talked about so we okay. don't just need your PL and your uh, balance sheet we also want to know a SWOT analysis a basic SWOT analysis strength weaknesses opportunities and threats um how you bring in customers what kind of revenue you have is any of it recurring what kind of team do you have in place and all those things those things and although it doesn't take us long to run these numbers. We can run these numbers in two days, maybe three days and get it back to you as soon as possible. But going back to the pitch part, you we were talking about the pitch. So the first part is that I want to review your numbers and put them through this calculator to let you know what we buy it at. Then I'm going to take it to, I've got 600 people that are in this group that know me very well. I'm one of the leaders of this group. And I say, guys, I've got this deal. Here's what it looks like. Who's interested in potentially working with me on this deal? A couple of people will raise their hand. We'll get on another call with the seller, which I've actually just did one of these not too long ago, three weeks ago. And then we'll talk about, okay, here's what we think it's worth. And if this doesn't happen as fast as I'm talking about it, usually we have to build some rapport. I'm just giving you the Cliff Notes version of it. But um, we'll talk through it and we say, okay, well, based on this, we think it's worth this. Here's one way we could structure the deal this way. And here's another way we could structure the deal this way. Which one of these do you like better? We give them the either or. And most people are going to pick one. But some people are going to kind of push back a little and say, hey, I think it's worth a little more this. And then that's when we kind of go through the whole negotiation process. But that's what it looks like in a nutshell.
1: Okay, gotcha. So they uh, they go through that process with the acquisition entrepreneurs. Um, Are these the, the people that are going to potentially buy the business from them or are these just further guidance counselors?
0: Right. So I I serve as kind of like the front man and the pitch man and I bring the deals to the people that have more experience in buying businesses than I do. So all these guys that I would be and girls that I'd be potentially bringing to you that want to buy your business have bought multiple businesses in the past.
1: Okay. Awesome. So it's kind of like a mini Shark Tank. Um you're exactly. just not on TV. Yep. Okay. Interesting. And so you're you're like preparing people for their Shark tank, Shark Tank experience. Yep. Okay, I got you. Um, So what types of businesses do you prefer to work with, Alan?
0: Well, because I have a digital marketing background, I actually prefer digital marketing agencies and e-com stores. And I'll tell you two quick stories about deals that I'm actually currently working on. A young lady I sent a LinkedIn direct message to in April contacted me back in July and said, hey, can we have a talk? So I sat with her. I talked to her. She was on for about 45 minutes. And she is very interested in selling her business. So she's motivated. We're always looking for someone who's motivated to sell, like in real estate, the same kind of thing. And she's motivated to sell. She's got her reason. She's got her team. She's got everything in place. And I'm like, okay, well, this isn't really an exit planning engagement because you want to sell your business within the next 18 months. She's like, yeah, but I want to exit in this way that's not like you're going to buy my business today and I'm gone tomorrow. I want to be involved for the next 18 months during this transition. So we're talking about that. I talked to her about that. I brought in one partner and we had great rapport. We talked again about certain things that we need to talk about. Then I brought in another partner. So now there's three partners, two partners and myself in this deal. And we're going back and forth with her now. We got our PL, we got our balance sheet. We're going through itemized things now. So we want to know about her owner's compensation. We want to know about her revenue by month. We want to know what she pays her teams and all this stuff. So this stuff is all coming together like in real time. So probably going to have another meeting with her in the next week or two. So that's one deal, digital mm-hmm. marketing agencies. The other one is e-com stores. Now, what's interesting about this is that I am I post on Facebook and LinkedIn, so people reach out to me. I don't have to do a lot of outbound. More people started to come to me now, especially with me doing podcasts and stuff like that. So a gentleman came to me and said, hey, Alan, do you want to buy an e-com store? I said, well, that's not really our business. We really you know, want to get into the business. And if I was going to buy an e store, I don't want one. I want 10, 20, 40. That immediately piqued his interest. He's like, wait, you want to buy that many? I'm like, yeah, let's talk about it. So he got on the phone with me. He vetted me. I vetted him. And we said, OK, this is what you want to do with your business. You want to take your business to a higher level, not with you just being able to sell one e-com store to one customer. You want to make this thing into something that's large and has a really good ecosystem. And he's like, yeah. I said, well, the first thing you're going to need to do is to acquire your supply chain up and down. You need your distributors, you need your warehouse, you need your transportation and all that stuff. And he's like, yeah, we thought of that. That's not really our expertise. We need some help with that. I said, okay, no problem. So I brought in a partner. We start talking to them about that. We've, we've been talking to probably about six weeks now. We have a weekly meeting that's ongoing. And now we're at the point where these guys are going to go to their suppliers and start finding out who they are and how much of their business is represented within those suppliers. So We have a leg to stand on when we go to acquire these suppliers. And now this is all overseas, by the way. This guy happens to be in Spain. And I'm talking to someone in my network who has phenomenal supply chain experience. And she's potentially going to be helping us with that because she's got boots on the ground over there. I'm over here, so I can't, I'm going to go over there, but I don't live over there. So that's another deal that's coming together. So to answer your question, the long and short of it is digital marketing and e-commerce.
1: Okay. Interesting. So we've, we've dove into a lot of areas of of um, business and selling businesses, um, you know, the niche you you're going after. So let's bridge some of the gaps in this these series of questions. So who should be listening today, Alan? Why should they listen to you specifically? And what do you think they're going to get out of the rest of today's show?
0: So the people that should be listening are people that have a mindset toward the future are people that get into a business and realize they're not one of the people that say, I'm going to die at my desk. There are very few of those people. People tend to say that, but that's not really the truth. If you're an entrepreneur and you know that you're going to have, like like most people have multiple jobs in this day and age, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to have a job that you stay at for five years or seven years or 10 years, it's probably not longer than that, especially in 2023, you're probably going to do the same thing in your business. If you own a business today and you say, I'm not gonna sell it, this is my baby. I want you to think twice about that because that's not absolutely true. Unfortunately, you're going to have to exit that business for one of a couple of reasons, death, disease, divorce, disability, or you get bored and disillusioned, or you have a partner dispute. Any of these reasons are, could be reasons that you potentially exit your business. And it is so important for you to have things in place now so that if any of those tragedies may befall you, you're in place to do that. Those are the people that are think that are forward thinking and understand that kind of thing. Those are the people who should listen. The reason why you should listen to me is because I consider myself a little bit of a unicorn. I am a mergers and acquisitions guy. I'm an exit planner, and I'm also a marketer. Very few people have all three going on. I know a lot of people that are in M&A and marketing. I know a lot of people that are in M&A and exit planning, but I don't know anybody that's in all three. So the reason you should be listening to me is because one, I'm in all three Two, I actually care because there's a process to this, guys. Like if you're going to think about selling your business, you want to work with somebody who is going to help you plan the exit, take you through the liquidity event, meaning that you actually somebody actually bought your business from you. And then the next part, which we haven't even talked about yet, Jackson, is wealth management think about this. If I help you plan your exit, and that takes 24, 36 months, and then I actually take you to somebody who's going to buy your business for more than what we talked about originally three years ago, assuming that we talked three years ago, your business is sold, let's just say it's sold for $10 million. If you get $10 million in your hand, chances are you may not do what you need to do with it. And if you don't have the proper tax planning in place, it's going to go, you're going to have half of that anyway. But the idea is, that you get with the planning first, the liquidity event, and the wealth management to take you toward the future. Because as an M&A person, if you sell your business to me, I don't want you to just kind of like take your money and run. I would want you to potentially take some of that money and let me work it in another deal that I'm trying to work on. So this whole life cycle, this holistic, comprehensive thing is what I do. And it's, like I said before, I actually care about this. I'm not a shark. I play with the sharks but I'm not a shark. I want to help you actually create a legacy and preserve it so that you can do something significant for your family and your grandchildren's grandchildren know who you are.
1: Let's talk about that for 15 seconds. Okay. What's your vision, Alan?
0: My vision is every person that I help sell their business decides that they want to create a trust fund for their children and grandchildren.
1: Interesting. So follow-up question. Why is that important to you?
0: Okay. So my mom passed last year in February and I love her dearly, but she worked 30 years at a job and was only able to leave $20,000 between myself, my sister, and my brother. Hmm. That's not something I want to happen to anybody. I'm not saying anything bad about people that work at a job, but If you have a business, you have there's there's something more to you. If you have a business, because you're you're serving. It's not like you just go to a job and collect a check and walk away. If you have a business, you want to serve people, and chances are, you want to leave something more for your children.
1: Right, absolutely. So um, that makes sense from your own personal background. But why do
0: you care about others? Well. This, this is interesting because every time I've tried to do something selfishly, it never really worked out. And At I've least got you admit wrong. it.
1: I'll give you that. At least you admit yes. that you've done things selfishly, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> I have.
0: I've done a lot of things selfishly and they, they rarely work out. And I've, I've got personal examples that I don't want to go through. But just sure. in general, when I think about other people and I bring people in, my vision and the universe, God, or whatever you want to call it, gives me more energy to do it. Because if I'm just doing it for me, it doesn't matter that much. How much money does one person actually need? But if you're supporting a family or a community or a world, I wouldn't go that far, but just you know, going out there, you, you have more energy to do more because then that's why you're going to be able to do more because you have that energy to do. And it's given to you from the universe.
1: Nice. I love that. That's fair. Um, So let's talk about powerful lessons. What powerful lesson can other visionaries learn from your experience, your personal experience?
0: Oh, my personal experience. So although I left my job in 2008 and became a digital marketing consultant, I wouldn't advise that for everyone because Mm -hmm. it doesn't work for everybody that way. Right. I had an entrepreneurial spirit from when I was very young. And that's not to say that I didn't have my struggles from 2008. To 2011, because between 2008 and 2011, I was, I bought every course I could buy. I was, I had no money. I ran out of all my credit cards. I slept on other friends' couches. Like it was, it was really bad for a time. And if you don't have the strength to allow yourself to go through something that's that hurtful, because it can be, then you're probably going to have a tough time really being an entrepreneur. And you should listen to someone like myself who's been through some of the hard times. And yes, as an entrepreneur, you fail. You you're going to fail. And if you don't fail, you didn't really try. So listening to someone who just only tells you about the good things and under the bad things, those probably aren't the right people.
1: Interesting. Uh, so who are some of these mentors then? who uh, shared some of the bad things with you? Um, and are some of the ones that seem to be more transparent in the market?
0: Right, so the people that I'm working with now, I can give you a couple of names right off the bat. Carl Allen and Roland Frazier are my two top mentors in the mergers and acquisition space. I also listen a lot to Cody Sanchez because she puts out a ton of content. And I listen to Alex Hormozzi as well. So those four people. Now I'm not in Cody's or Alex's courses. I'm actually in the mastermind with Roland Frazier and Carl Allen. Like I paid my money to get into these things. And when I tell you that I have acquisition entrepreneurs who could potentially buy your business, I can send out a link or a chat or whatever in both of those communities. And I say, I've got a deal that has this, 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 and this. I got the p I got the uh, incomes. I got the balance sheet. I ran it through my calculator. Who wants to work with me on this deal? I said 500 or 600. That's just in Carl Allen's group. There's another thousand or so that are in Roland Frazier's group. And because I'm doing these things like this, people tend to see me. So they're like, okay, Alan, you're the real deal. So those are the people that work the best with me.
1: That's awesome, man. And and uh, to validate a lot of what you're talking about, um, like Alex Hermosi, for instance, you know, you don't necessarily need to be in his group in order to extract the majority of the value that he puts out into the world, um, you know, because he's a giver. He's constantly uh, exposing more and more about what he does. And he may expose it all. But the the, the value of, of purchasing and deciding to be in a group with an entrepreneur like that is you get the certainty, the security that you're being given the path from A to Z in a linear format, right? And you've done that now with uh, the sounds like with Carl Allen and Roland Frazier is you, you have that path clearly there. You can call them or you can uh, text them. You can uh, hit their support email and find out what's going on, but also they have a vested interest in seeing you succeed because you're on the inner circle. Um, so, you know, and, and at the same time, these circles expand, we got micro circles and we've got uh, macro circles. We got, we got circles that are larger circles that are more intimate. Um, you know, and, and each one of us is building, building that, well it's really called a sphere of influence. Um, so you've got your sphere of influence building as well, which is pretty awesome. And once somebody's in, I, I hadn't thought too much about that process of, okay, the person who sells with you, um, I didn't know that you were also helping them on the post acquisition phase, um, of, Hey, here's what you can do with that investment. But that's also why it's so important to have long-term friendships, um, in these situations and, and to come in. So if you're wanting to get to know Alan, understand that, that. The goal is not a quick win; it's to be able to take the law of abundance, the wealth, and allow it to compound upon itself as you continue to build a relationship together. Um, so, glad you—I'm glad you brought that forward as one of the main points. So, how do you envision that uh, building um, in the rest of 2023 and going into 2024?
0: So, the best thing about what I'm doing now is, like I told you before, most of these guys they're They're behind the scenes kind of people. They're not really front facing people. They don't like to be on podcasts. They don't like to do events and masterminds and stuff. And what's going to propel me to my vision, which is helping everybody else do what I talked about today, is being on these kinds of things. So I've got three events, three events next month that I'm going to. I believe one is a one is a mixer here in Maryland. Another one is. Oh, I'm going to Onyx thing, Onyx and Gal. He's got a thing coming up. So I'm going to his thing. And then I've got a deal maker live event with Carl Allen's group at the end of September. So next month, I'm going to be at three different events, like physical in-person events, because a lot of people want to hide behind, you know, their computer and just kind of type and send out cold emails and all this stuff. And I've done that and that stuff works. But when you combine that with this content marketing, public speaking, podcasting, being on other people's events, your own events. Now you've got this thing because now, like you said, the law of abundance, this circle goes from this to this really right. quickly. So that's that's what's going on with me for this year and uh, all the next year as well.
1: I love it. There, there's a huge psychology too to to in-person events. And you don't, it's not something that you need to dissect the psychology or the science of, but just to know it. If you're not going to in-person events and interacting with people, you're missing out on a massive cash flow opportunity. Uh, There's just something about people being primed and ready to, to transact when you're physically in their presence. Um, And a lot of that has to do with knowing how to be prepared for those events too, knowing how to be set up for those events. But um, you know, they're they're fantastic opportunities to move your business forward in ways that um, are, I don't want to say limited online, but just not as natural um, online as they are when you're in person. So um, that's awesome. All right, cool. Um, what else would you like to add today? Let me leave so, the floor open for you because there's a lot about mergers, acquisitions, selling businesses that we haven't covered. What do you want to cover?
0: So the main thing I want to tell people is there's there's four steps to this thing. And I mean, mm-hmm. yes, there's more, but I'm going to break this down for you as simple as possible. Step sure. number one is standard Operating procedures. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what they are. Some people have them, some people don't, and some people are in the middle. If you're going to sell your business, think about this, guys. If I'm gonna buy your business today and you're gonna walk out the door tomorrow, very rare, but just work with me here. If I don't mm-hmm. have a training manual, I'm your business is gonna get run into the ground, which yeah. nobody wants like I can't. It's there's no value to me, and there's no value to to you of me doing that, right? So you've got to have standard operating procedures in place. The other thing about SOPs is that if your business is relying upon you, sad to say, you don't have a business, you've got a job. And a lot of people don't like to hear that, but that's the absolute truth. So step number one is your SOPs. Step number two is succession planning. Succession planning just simply means, well, if I take a vacation for two weeks, is my business going to burn to the ground? right? So you don't want to have that happen. So you also want to have a number two or a number three or a number four. You just want to have someone that can do what you do and they don't have to be you, but you can, so that you can just take some time off. Like so many people are stuck in their businesses. And I ask people, I say, Hey, could you take a week or like, what would happen to your business if you took a week or two week vacation and didn't answer emails, phone calls, texts, or anything? A lot of people, 80% of people tell me my business will burn to the ground. And I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. not a good business. You don't want to have that. So standard operating procedures, succession planning. The other part to succession planning is if you decide to sell the business or when you decide to sell the business, uh, most investors, myself and all the other people that I've talked about, acquisition entrepreneurs, we don't want to run your business day to day. So if you don't Mm -hmm. groom a number two, number three, number four, or have a management team in place, that business has very little value to us because we're owner investors, not owner managers. We want to come in and help the business move, but we don't wanna actually be responsible for running it. So that's the succession planning part. The third thing is what I kind of mentioned before, business finances. I know a lot of businesses, they're co-mingling funds and they're using this business thing to pay this personal thing. And then they've got a car in the business, but it's not really the business. And it's like, dude, (laughs) do this the right way, okay? Get your your tax uh, returns in order. Keep your bank statements together. Have your cash flow statement. Have your income statement. Have your balance sheets. Have all that stuff in a pretty little box so that whenever you need it, it's available to you. That's number three. And step number four is finding the right buyer. So the difference between myself and a business broker is that when I talked about this whole holistic and comprehensive thing where I take you through this process, a business broker is very transactional. So a business broker is just going to help you find a buyer, and he's gone, right? But finding the right buyer is hugely important. Like I said, there's a couple different buyers. So strategic buyers, strategic buyers, competitors. Um, you can even sell to your family, or you can sell to employees. Like these, these are options that a business broker is just not going to take you through. All they're looking for mm-hmm. is to find a buyer for you for you as a seller. They're not looking at the uh, other stuff. So those are the four steps. Quickly, I'm going to review. Step number one, standard operating procedures. Step number two, succession planning. Step number three, business finances. And step number four, finding the right buyer.
1: Finding that buyer. Excellent, man. I took some notes myself on all of that. That was was awesome, Alan. I appreciate your expertise on the subject. Um, First class business, transparently, we are not at that stage. And we know it. We've got lots of uh, standard operating procedures to streamline, um, you know, the the book, uh, the training manual has grown immensely. Um, and it's something that needs to continue to be refined for every position that we continue to create. Uh, many of you business owners, you know what that's like. Um, you know what it's like to have a process. Uh, for instance, a standard operating procedure created six months ago and been utilized somewhat, but you get away from it and now you got to update it. Um, you know, six months down the road, that's part of the grind of the process. That's why it's, it's not easy to be a business owner. Um, it can be simplified, but it's still a difficult process. Um, the succession planning. No, we're also not at that stage. I wish I could say we're not Jackson class business. Um, in many respects today, we still are, um, you know, we, we want to be first class business. We want to be where, uh, the, the entire operation, if I walked away for a week or two, would be smooth like butter and fluid. And we take we in, in some respects we take um opportunities to test that. Um, you know, and we realize like, okay, we survived the day. Um, you know, okay, cool. Um we we survived the two days, but there was things that happened that if we let that faster, if I wasn't here to clean it up, um, you know, we would we would be in trouble. Um, you know, we would lose a client or we make somebody mad, et cetera, or, or we aren't comfortable with that loss, but maybe we need to learn to be comfortable um, with that loss. So there's, there's lots of ways to look at it. Again, Alan's bringing up the, the important aspects of, of um, what, again, needs to be evaluated, um, you know, and and then of course having somebody like Alan to be able to, to throw these things onto and say, hey, Alan, what do you think, man? What, what, what do I do to bridge these gaps? Um, you know, that's part of the process. Um, business finances as well um one of the things that um alan talks about is profits um and you know if you're not in a position where your business is profitable um you're not in a position to where you're handsomely profitable and where you're in control over your environment of selling you're going to have to give far more away than you want to um you know negotiating uh chris voss i'm a big fan of his book as it is narrated um i won't dive into the details of what i mean by that but the, um, he talks about how the person who has the least to lose wins the negotiation, which is a basic, basically saying you can suck at negotiating, but if you don't care about losing, you're going to win. Um, and so with your business model, if you have the finances you need and you don't need to sell your business, you're going to make more than if you have yourself in a position where you feel like you need to sell. Now you're willing to sacrifice in order to get some type of return. Um, And the sooner you get ahead of that framework, the better. The sooner you're planning with these aspects in mind, the better. And then lastly, it's finding the right buyer, Um, right? Having somebody creative by your side to be able to showcase your business. Um, You know, it's just like selling your house. Um, That's what your realtor is supposed to do. They're supposed to be out there looking for the buyers, attracting them, getting your uh your home listed on different applications but also digging in their own personal network that's usually where the the great realtors end up finding the deals is they know who to turn to in the market which the other which are the other great realtors out there who have constant buyers in their portfolio who are ready to pick up that home like that and that's where people like alan come into play is he's constantly building his portfolio of people playing with the game of buying and selling businesses so Man, I'm impressed. I'm, I'm grateful for all that you threw down today. Um, and I know that our vision pros who are building with that futuristic mindset of someday, you know, I'm going to want to sell this. Um, and so I better start preparing myself now for that day to transpire. Man, you threw down. I appreciate you, Alan.
0: Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. Vision pros, we will actually see you later today um, on another episode. Um, Alan, thanks for coming in for this special show. If you want to reach out to Alan, please do so on his LinkedIn. I'm sure you can find him elsewhere. Um, we've, we've got the, uh, the link to his website. That'll be in the show notes as well. It's uh, workwithallen.com. And uh, you know, make sure you, you let him know that you came from Vision Pros Live if you work with him. And uh, Alan, we look forward to hosting you again in the future, my friend.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Vision Pros, take care. Everybody have a great Thank day. Thank you for being here today. Cool.